Welcome to The Math of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. On this, our 59th episode, it's the return of Ginger Turner. Along the way, we take a deep dive into Ginger's relationship with the mountain goats, how not to be that person recommending a podcast, and how old is too old to have stickers on your laptop. We'll finish the show with our signature cocktail and let you know how you can become a guest on the Math of You. We join this conversation already in progress. say who you are and what makes you a beautiful and unique snowflake. That's a lot of pressure to live up to. My name is Ginger. I am a writer and podcaster and pop culture commentator, and I'm not very well equipped with the casual introduction of myself. My current project is a satirical talkback radio podcast called Common Sense with Bert Franklap. Bert is the kind of person who says it like it is, even when what it is is a little bit racist. That's been a lot of fun. That's my first solo podcast and my first scripted fiction work, so... That's been a nice change of pace. Yeah, and that came out of nowhere, at least for people who were me. It was one of those things where you just sort of said, oh, here's this thing I've been doing and linked to how many episodes? I think I kept it under wraps until I had three or four up. That was kind of on purpose. I have a horrible, horrible habit if you look back at the iTunes, oh, sorry, Apple Podcasts (laughs) collection of my previous work. They are scattershot, to say the least. The release dates are usually months apart on irregular days they run at irregular length scheduling is a big factor in that so it's a lot easier to schedule for just me and i can get a few episodes recorded like i've I recorded all seven of the first episodes on the one night and i'm sort of now running up against the end of that so i've got a few more episodes written and ready to record in the very near future but it's a bit easier to manage one person even if there's a lot more preparation that goes into this than anything i've done before And for those who want to know a little bit about Ginger's early life and where they grew up, you can go on back to episode 14. And the reason I was pausing is because I had to go and look that up. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. And every time it comes up, I always have to go, uh, which one was it? Which one was it? Ah, 14. Okay. The audience, I'm sure, can hear the sound of you scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. (laughs) This is not an unprolific podcast, so, you know. (laughs) There is a decent chunk to go back through. I do okay. I'm actually about to post episode 50 of all things. Wow, Jesus! This morning, I was just putting the facing touches on a bonus episode that is kind of my one-year anniversary. Because yeah, I was just going to say, you're yeah, point. It, it's been exactly a year. And I mean, that's even with you know a little bit of time off in December of last year. But yeah, weird. Not to mention a newborn baby. <laughs> That does count. And what was funny is I did the recording of the intro for the bonus episode with Hero on my lap, and he was making baby noises into the microphone. Oh, that's fantastic. Because, <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd, I'd use it as a way to point out how much has changed since when I started this episode. This, yeah. um, not this episode. It's only been 15 minutes. But <laughs> since, <laughs> since I started the podcast. Look, we've, we've grown. We, we've changed as people in that uh, time. But. Hugging, learning, growing, all that good yeah. stuff. 
No, I, I like the idea of more babies on podcasts. A podcast that I quite like. It's a comic book podcast out of Sydney called Serious Issues. Oh, yes. One of the hosts. Yeah, Siobhan just had a baby and her little baby who they are calling Shatterstar, which I think is great. <laughs> yeah, she came back recently because it's only been a couple of weeks now since Shatterstar made an entrance. Yeah, you could hear, hear Shatterstar chatting and cooing and demanding attention mid-podcast. And I thought, I just, I just like that. I like the honesty of that. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, my friend Talia, who also works at King's Comics, talks about Lev and Siobhan and, and them just kind of coming over and being like just across from her desk when they do the recording. And it's just like, huh, this is, uh, this is happening, huh? And, and also, don't you have a baby? Why are you here? Which is a question I'm getting used to hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our mutual friend, David James Young, former guest of the show, spotted me at the PWA wrestling event recently. I'm in no way surprised that the both of you were at that show. <laughs> but David goes to everything. David, David does go to everything. I don't know if he has a house. He's just at shows and events. <laughs> but he spotted me like because he was further up the line than me. And I was there with my friends Alex and Ree and looked down and he went, what are you doing here? Don't you have a child? And I went, yeah. It's my one night. <laughs> it's a good question. It's tough. It is an ongoing journey trying to figure out how to continue to be mm. an individual human who isn't defined by your parenthood. <laughs> 18, 20 months in, I'm still figuring that out. Earlier today, someone asked me, uh, had I seen Atomic Blonde yet? And I really, really do, except for <laughs> I have a newborn. And so it's one of those things where Kimiko and I are looking for any film that has a two o'clock and a four o'clock showing so that one of us can go to the early one while the other holds the baby uh, and then you can hand off the baby team. at the door and tag in that's pretty organized but with Annie and I it's really just it only been you go see it one night do you really want to see that I'll see it eventually and then probably I never end up seeing it because I'm awful at, <laughs> at planning those things but yeah, I think no. it was the three I definitely want to see in the theater, if I absolutely can, is Baby Driver, Atomic Blonde, and Spider-Man Homecoming before it leaves. Because I feel like those are three that would benefit from a big screen and big sound and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree that Baby Driver is one to see on the big screen. It definitely plays up to that really mm -hmm. well. And I, I can confidently assume that Spider-Man would be in the same boat. But apart from Baby Driver, which Annie and I saw on our sort of little weekend break from being parents i don't remember the last time i went to the movies so probably see spider-man homecoming on when it's on netflix or something because definitely having a new baby in the house has really increased my at-home movie watching because i'll come home and kimiko will most likely have the baby sitting on her and she'll be like i need a break and so i will be like okay and i'll sit down in the chair and i'll take the baby and i'm like mm -hmm. right i'm stuck here for an indeterminate amount of time hey look foxtel movies has like a pop-up channel of all the clint eastwood westerns well, I suppose I should get that bit of my education underway. Or in another case, it was, oh, the Blues Brothers is on. Perfect. And it's one of those ones where it's like, I can sit and watch this entire thing, or I can break it up into you know discrete chunks, and that's completely fine. I don't know how any parents did it before the advent of streaming TV. The Apple TV remote was the saving grace of having a, an infant falling asleep on your chest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it should be like, I think Scotland has picked up what one of the Scandinavian countries do with the box that they send you know, mm -hmm. home with the new parents, you know, full of things for the baby as well as a little you know sleeping space in the box. But mm -hmm. I definitely think like an Apple TV and a three-month Netflix subscription should just be <laughs> a standard, you've got a baby now, congratulations, here's your, here's your gear. That's necessary. Yep. 
Also, I think Hero is acclimatized now to hearing Griffin McElroy's voice. <laughs> I was doing my Adventure Zone catch-up while feeding him at various points. So he's very, he's very down. Like, we listened to the finale together. <laughs> You've spoiled it for him. He hasn't listened to the 68 previous episodes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'll have to go back. You see, son, when you were very young, there was a really goofy D&D podcast <laughs> that sometimes makes us cry. <laughs> One day he's going to ask what abracafuck you means, and you'll have to explain <laughs> It's a conversation all parents dread, but... Perfect. Dad, what happened to the Scuttle Buddy? Well, mm, you see... <laughs> scuttle Buddies, you know, all things must pass, and <laughs> you've, you've got to take care of your toys. <laughs> yeah, if you don't take care of your toys, they get teleported over into a train <laughs> that goes through a spell <laughs> and lands in a garden and destroys it. Spoiler yeah. warning. From three years ago. <laughs> Yeah, there's still people catching up. That's true. Although, if anyone's listening who is in the Adventure Zone Appreciation Facebook group, a couple of people, like, I did a casual drawing of, because at one point, I'm, I'm going to say by the time this comes out, it'll be like October, so not really spoilers. At one point, the terrible Mr. Bucket-esque upsy-your-lifting friend comes back as a mech, and I may have doodled a Jaeger-style Pacific Rim-esque logo of Upsy Daisy. Then some people on the internet took it and turned it into a vector drawing, complete with, like, battle damage and, like, metallic yeah, backgrounds. I saw that. I desperately want it as a laptop skin. I'm talking to these people, and I'm just like, please give me permission. I will put it up on Society6 for, like, a day. I, I'm the only one who wants to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> It was absolutely gorgeous. Especially with that it's like sort of weathered acid yellow with the pink text. Yeah. I think would look sick as a MacBook skin. That's definitely a way of thinking that I need to acclimatize to. I've got the most boring looking MacBook and mm -hmm. I could definitely do with a little bit more color on there. I never think of skins, but I'm not sure that up to your lifting friend is quite where I want to go, but <laughs> definitely need some more color apart from the, what have I got on there? I think I've got like a Aperture Labs logo, a temporary resident sticker from when I bought an Explosions in the Sky record. So yeah, <laughs> a little bit of color on there, but it's all very black and white. There's no actual color on there yeah. unless you count the silver of the MacBook. So. I've got a Diamond Club sticker from way back when, when I got it as a bonus from the NSFW show. Hi, Becky, if you're listening. The only other person who listens to this podcast who knows about the NSFW show. And so it's on there primarily to differentiate it from Kimiko's work laptop, which was the exact same model. And so I'm like, I need something that isn't just like a second Apple sticker. And I'm at the point in my life where I've stopped collecting stickers. Either that or the minute I get them, I stick them onto my refrigerator. I don't even know where if I get stickers where they go. I don't have any or enough in my house to decorate things. That's why I was like pleasantly surprised when I found that temporary residence one in the Explosion in the Sky album. I'm like, hurrah, I can have some character. <laughs> and I think we've moved on from the point in our lives where we can have the 50 million stickers on our laptop. Yeah, I don't know that I was ever really cool enough to do that anyway. So It's like, yeah, let's get a big biohazard sticker or like a decal of Snow White attempting to take a bite out of the Apple logo. I've, I've seen plenty of people with the Darth Vader holding up the Apple logo, <laughs> which is it's evocative. But I think not character really holding the Apple logo is the computer equivalent of Calvin peeing on a Ford logo. That's a pretty solid comparison. I don't <laughs> think anyone survived a comparison to mudflap decorations especially well, but I think it's true. Well, I got to have the joyous occasion of showing someone what truck nuts were. How, how, Are you aware of truck nuts, Ginger? I'm aware of truck nuts. I think there was a bit of a mabim bam riff on them. There was, and that's how it started. Someone in my office made a comment about how, oh, you need a pair of nuts for your ute. I leaned in in that open plan office way and went, I'm sorry, are we talking about truck nuts? <laughs> how does someone's face move when they are introduced cold to the term truck nuts? Because not only is the concept quite striking, but it's just like as a phrase, mm -hmm. there's something jaw-dropping about the term truck nuts. See, here's the thing. I had heard it before 
but figured that it was some sort of term for kind of like those big like bolt ends, like they kind of go on like skateboarding trucks, like those big, huge things that hold the wheels on. I had figured it was just like a silly euphemism that started off as an actual descriptor of a thing and then became like, oh, it's slang for balls or whatever. Did not realize until that bim bam that it was a literal actual grotum on the back of a truck. Yeah, I don't know how or why I knew that. I don't move in trucking circles. I don't, I'm barely on the road. I'm a non-driver. And yeah, somehow the knowledge made its way to me against my will. I don't move in trucking circles. <laughs> Well, I don't. I wouldn't want to pretend that I have any sort of oh, no. affiliation that I no, don't. No, no, it's, it's a completely factual statement. It's just inherently yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> That's the balance I'm always aiming to strike. This is the same office where I tweeted this the other day. There is one person in the office who is a big fan of a popular podcast, My Dad Wrote a Porno. Mm. And I've had to hear him describe to people who have never heard of this podcast the concept of this podcast and why it's good and why it's funny and that he's going to see the live show. And I've heard him tell it the exact same way. I think I've counted five or six times and watch the other person just as this conversation starts, just attempt to get away. I didn't know where that sentence was going, but my impression was like edging towards the door and like looking for items with which to defend yourself if that person goes out a little bit too far. Oh God. And it's just, it's that intense. Oh, and then, and then he finds it and it's like, it's really funny. And then he's like wondering how, like all these things aren't physically possible. Like, and and you just see this other person going, okay, the only example I can give, it's like, you know how sometimes in like physical therapy or uh, things like that, they'll be like, all right, I want you to like tense up everything in your shoulders or your face or whatever, and then hold Mm -hmm. it for 10 seconds and then relax so that you can see what relax feels like and kind of aim for that in your stretching. I see them do that with their face where everything, like at first, it's just like like everything's just building and building and building and building and then like the smile becomes a rictus Hmm. and then as they leave, everything just goes... They find new levels for those muscles to move, like those muscles move in ways you didn't know they could as you (laughs) attempt to maintain composure but also communicate to people walking by that you maybe need to be saved from this conversation. (laughs) You're tapping out SOS with a stapler. Yeah. That's right. Stationary Morse code is a skill that I wish I had, but that's almost exactly why I don't talk to people face-to-face about the adventure zone too much, because I would become that person who would be too enthusiastic immediately, like off the bat, and I think would put people into that same (laughs) defensive mode, and I would be that person, and that is something that I would rather never be. It's the, oh, oh, you've heard of this show, and you're like, yes, it's incredible! And it's like, whoa, whoa. Whoa, you're at a 10, we need you at a 4. I am for the 4 as like a default thing. Uh, That's my guide level. But when someone else recognizes it or brings it up, just recently Annie and I drove up to the Hunter Valley for my cousin's wedding and we met my brother and his partner on the way up and they shared a ride with us. And it turned out that my brother had been listening to The Adventure Zone and had no idea that I had. So his first words to me were like, hey, I don't know if you've heard about it. You've probably heard about this podcast called The Adventure. And I'm like, The Adventure Zone, oh my God, I'm right there with you. (laughs) And so we spent the entire drive up rhapsodizing he and I, and then we like I'd been forcing Annie to listen to uh, the first couple of episodes on the drive up because it's a really great long drive back. Like what's I'm looking for? Soundtrack's not quite the right word, but something to that effect. Companion, a companion to the drive, where you've got just enough going on that you can visualize and you can hear all of the things that are going on without having to take your eyes off the road. And of course, I'd been very gently, casually peer pressuring Annie to listen to it for months now. So I don't think you could peer pressure in any other way. TBQH. That's kind of my <laughs> style. Is low pressure in general. You're, you're at a perpetual sidle at any point. Yeah, never come at things directly, you know, for better or worse. <laughs> you move with the swift grace of a crab. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that makes sense. Maybe a crab should be my Patronus. 
<laughs> it's got the colouring, right? Yeah, yeah. I had to explain to someone why a raccoon was my Patronus. Like, cause... Why is a raccoon your Patronus? Well, one, because I did a Golden Compass online quiz that told me so, and one, the minute I heard it, it rung like a bell in my soul <laughs> because they are clever mm-hmm. and quick and also occasionally confrontational, but only if you really push them yeah. and can make something out of nothing. And also tend to be very, very fastidious with their food. Okay. Yeah, this is all fitting. It's like clean little hands. Was that what someone said? Now, yeah. Okay, fine. If you want to boil it down. Because <laughs> this is speaking as someone who once nearly had a panic attack because there was too much sauce on a burger and it coated my hand. So I had to get up <laughs> from the table and walk across the Annandale Hotel to the bathroom like I was out of platoon, holding my hands out in front of me. <laughs> Like all you needed was like the slow swell of orchestra music of I'm just like ah, no one touch me no one touch me don't look at me <laughs> but yeah and, and then attempting to elbow open a door that was clearly meant to be opened with a pair of hands and opposable thumbs of course and just trying to use your elbow and just be like I, I, I don't want to touch it I, I, I don't I can't I can't <laughs> Because then you would only make the problem worse. Yeah, I would get gunk on everything, and then it would slide, and I'd be stuck, and my face would be getting red, and someone would be behind me. And I'm actually getting a little panicky describing it just now. You, yeah, you are ratcheting up. Maybe we should switch subjects. <laughs> all right. This is all a good argument for the raccoon Patronus. <laughs> all right, I do have something with which to pivot the conversation. All right, lead on. Pivot away. Okay, Ginger, I have a very specific question for you. Mm-hmm. Or rather, a request rather than a question, because there's no question mark at the end of it. Okay. I would like you to tell me about your relationship with the mountain goats. Ooh, okay. That's big. I thought when you said request, I'm like, oh, that sounds menacing. Not nearly as menacing as I thought. My relationship with the mountain goats, it goes back about 10 odd years now. I feel like, in principle, you know how there's those like bands and artists that you find out about? Like, just for context, Amy Mann, for me, this morning, I was listening to her newest album on the way back from grabbing a coffee. And I'm like, oh, I should have been listening to her for decades like she is within my wheelhouse she is exactly where i like music to be like soft but intricate wonderful storytelling she's got a fantastic like understated voice that she can use in you know really distinctive ways I'm like oh i should have always been listening to this like how did i miss it for this long yeah and sort of funny and wry and kind of casual but also very cutting at times too like very yeah. some very gentle shade yeah well I, part of the reason i sort of been meaning to get into her stuff but listen to an episode of song exploder from some recent month where she's talking about a track off her newest album i can't think of what the track is called off the top of my head but it was a co-write with jonathan colton and she's talking mm-hmm. about it being this like andrew garfield inspired piece like a, a meeting andrew garfield and it becoming this story about how hollywood chews up and spits out nice genuine people but to listen to it it's just like you know very gentle folksy sort of tune the song is called patient zero patient zero that's right i was trying to the word poison was in my head because it comes up a lot in the song but yes patient zero lovely song but has those really sharp teeth to it that that real savagery that reflects the subject matter that aren't obvious but anyway i have completely ignored your question and sidetracked the reason i mention that is like i should have always been listening to amy mann on some level and i think that was true of the mountain goats as well i think there was maybe some like cosmic turnoff that i missed that put me back a couple of years but once i got on that train i was on it for good my introduction as far as i remember was listening to the album heretic pride at work when i was working at a jb hi-fi so this would have been about 2008 i think that one came out because i spent a great deal of my downtime at jb reading various music sites and publications a because i like doing it and b because it was a good way to pretend i was doing work while not doing work i am right there with you when i worked at borders at the music section i would find my 
myself going into the, I forget what it was, it was the database that had just like reviews and summaries of albums because you could stand there and look like you're looking something up and just be reading and there was no internet, no mobile phones at the time. So it was a great way to distract your brain from the fact that you were stuck at work till 11. Yeah, especially on those long, slow nights. When I first worked at JB Hi-Fi, this instance I'm referring to is in the middle of the Sydney CBD, so much more busy, but I learned that habit when working at a JB Hi-Fi in Warrawong, which is just outside of Wollongong on the New South Wales South Coast. And God damn, could that place get quiet? <laughs> so yeah, I read almost all of Pitchfork's archives just because I'd look at an album and go, well, I want to know what that is. That album cover looks cool. And sometimes that paid off in things like Neutral Milk Hotel, but sometimes it went the other way and I would see lots of conversation around a particular artist like the Mountain Goats. And when Heretic Pride came out, I put it on, not really grasping that it's maybe not <laughs> super great install listening. <laughs> Of the Mountain Goats albums, it's one of the more sort of consistently melodic. It's not abrasive in the way that some of John Daniel's earlier stuff can be. It's not quite as, you know, graceful as... Uh, uh, I can't remember the album now. The one that's every track is named after a verse of the Bible. Life of the World to Come? Something to that effect. I'm a terrible, terrible fan. <laughs> I put on Heretic Pride, and I think I'd put it on a couple of times, but there was a point where I was just... Like, I was putting CDs on the shelf, and I was struck, like, paused in mid-refilling of show by Michael Myers' Resplendent, which is the last track on that album. And it just... You know, you use the phrase, like, rung like a struck bell earlier, and that is a really good description of how that song affected me. So being a, at that point, a single person on a full-time salary, I did what I was doing for a lot of that time. I just bought a shitload of Mountain Goat CDs and listened to a lot of them, and that was the beginning of a very long and deep love affair and one that I'm still exploring like when I say I bought a shitload it was probably like four or five and I didn't listen to them all with the same fervor like I still haven't really cracked albums like Get Lonely which I think is okay because John Daniel himself said that's a breakup album and you know listen to that when you've broken up with your partner until then it might not make much sense heretic pride was the entry point but like a lot of people the sunset tree was the one that really brought me in it's really striking in the way that it talked about really personal things in a way that was also somehow quite detached. There's a, quite a distance to it, even as it gets really emotionally intense. You know, songs like dance music where... Oh, yes. I'm so glad you picked one that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a considerate guest like that. It's a great example of what John Daniel does as a storyteller, where he talks about these instances of domestic violence as a child sees them, how he describes like the plates being thrown around and stuff and running upstairs and the way that he managed that as a child is listening to music, listening to his record player and distracting himself, losing himself in that world. And that being the focal point of the song is like how he, as a child, dealt with that rather than woe is me it was so terrible i think that's one of his great strengths as a writer is bringing you into a world like i don't you know i think my parents fought to a fairly normal standard there was ever any crockery damaged in their conflict but it felt real and honest in a way without ever being melodramatic that's also a great song for illustrating just how sticky some of those songs are and how melodic and how catchy and it's one of those things where it's like you know you're just listening and you'll be nodding your head and then you start to listen to the words and you go oh wow mm. so something like for example singing along to no children before you knew what it's about i'm surprised you can get more than a few seconds into no children before figuring out what that one's about like <laughs> that one is what it says on the tin like the literal first line is i hope that our few remaining friends give up on trying to save us i hope we come up with some fail safe plot to piss off the dumb few that forgave us and it gets worse from there <laughs> oh yeah that one is very outwardly venomous but i totally understand what you mean but it never stops being a fun to sing kind of oh. jaunty song it is one of the most fun songs to sing along. The Mountain Goats being a very significant part of my relationship with Annie. We will probably play that song at our wedding, even though it is the least wet, like it is the most explicitly non-wedding appropriate song that you could possibly think of. Oh my God. <laughs> like try and think of a better one because uh, there's 
plenty of songs about like you know not just i hope we piss off the dumb few that forgave us but explicitly like you know hating one's partner and the corrosive effects of a toxic relationship but you can't not sing along to that song because it's a real good song (laughs) we will have other less inappropriate but still not really typical wedding songs from the mountain goats on our playlist it's a kind of legal requirement i think when you're brought together as a result of up the wolves which is another track off sunset tree well yeah you and annie met because like a mutual friend was like hey you like the mountain goats hey you like the mountain goats have at it right even to say have at it suggested it was a bit more calculated (laughs) like hannah is still i i think last i knew anyway maintaining that it was a completely innocent action and i believe it like i tweeted something i can't remember the exact phrasing i've got the tweet somewhere but something to the effect that i was talking about up the wolves and how good john daniel is sounds like a man tearing himself apart which it still does and yeah hannah made that connection because this was on twitter obviously talking about tweeting and his handle at that point was a reference to your belgian things off that album that that came almost immediately after Sunset Tree, also on 4AD, can't think of the title, can see the cover. I'm sure you'll help me out eventually. (laughs) Yeah, Your Belgian Things is the song that her handle was referencing and Hannah had somehow been introduced to that because I don't think she has or ever will listen to The Mountain Goat herself. The following album was in fact Get Lonely. Oh, no, then it's not that one. Maybe it was one slightly before. They were like, I think they were actually released the same year and it was... Is it We Shall All Be Healed? We Shall All Be Healed. Yeah. Yeah. I got there in the end at the same time (laughs) as you. I don't think Hannah had any familiarity with Mountain Goats. So it must have been something that Annie had mentioned on Twitter in some way. And yeah, Hannah made the connection and that was that. We became uh, very close very quickly. And all because I tweeted something about a very emotionally extreme song. (laughs) And if I recall correctly, a fairly momentous moment... A momentous moment? A fairly important moment. How's that? That's a little better. That's, yeah. Happened at a Mountain Goats concert recently, if you'd like to explain. Pretty recent. Well, it also revolves around Up the Wolves and another song off the Sunset Tree. So, you know, Annie Annie and I have been together now for some years. The Mountain Goats are obviously a very significant band for us, not just in the sense that we were brought together because of that, but because we have both been long-term fans before our relationship of the band. So... We've seen them, I think, at least once before at the Metro, but this time around we were at the Corner Hotel. I had been carrying a ring since I left work that afternoon and was trying my damnedest to keep it discreet, even though Annie kept trying to hug me from the the side where the (laughs) ring pocket was. I hadn't even thought of that. (laughs) <laughs> it was just in the pocket of my hoodie because I wanted it to be like hands reach because I think it's fair for anyone who's got you know a fairly expensive and small thing like that on their person to be wanting to make sure that it's still there at any given point. So it was in my hoodie pocket in a ring box that when Annie would come in for a hug, I had to discreetly palm it, flip it from one hand to the other so it was in the other side and then let her come in. Uh, but yeah, was smuggling that ring all afternoon. You are not dissuading me from this image of you having the swift grace of a crab. <laughs> I don't know that crabs are really great at moving things from claw to claw. I've got a little bit more manual dexterity than that. Not to say that I have a lot, but a little. So now I'm just picturing this kind of like mental clicking sound. Of... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a slightly Zoidberg proposal. I think I've spoiled the twist there, but partway through the set, I'd been holding out, intending on waiting until Up the Wolves played to produce said ring box, but it was getting very late in the set. I think John had sort of flagged that they had two songs left before the, what would essentially be the break before the encore. They started playing, what's that song? That's another song off Sunset Tree. I should should be better at this, and yet, and yet, and yet. (laughs) It is another song off Sunset Tree. Hang on. I'm going to pause for a second, and I'm going to say, I'm just going to run through them all real quick. I got No, no, it's okay. It's Broom People. Took me a moment to remember, but the band played broom people off the sunset tree being so close to the end of the set i'm like okay you're not running from the same set list you have been that i had researched previously this is (laughs) i love that you researched the set list (laughs) 
I like, I didn't want to like gamble on a song like Up the Walls being on the list. There's no guarantee. The news previously, the previous shows in the tour were you know positive. It was in the set about the middle, and when it hadn't come up, I was panicking. Not panicking, but just a bit getting a bit edgy. Like okay, I don't want to wait, and then like them go okay, thanks everyone, have a good night, and me go oh I've missed my chance. And they just hear a quiet no, at yeah, the back. please. One more very specific song. Well, I suppose uh, we could play more. Where's one more? <laughs> well, I don't know if we should play the fucking song. <laughs> yeah, just slightly <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> they started up Broom People, which is, in the context of the Mountain Goats, one of the more romantic songs in their catalogue. So I took that as an opportunity to turn around to Annie and give her the ring. And then, as fate would have it, uh, like obviously she said yes. I don't want to surprise anyone or keep anyone it's waiting who uh, doesn't know us. Yeah, she said yes. She was very surprised, which was the entire purpose of my subterfuge. But See, now, now I'm picturing Annie. And when Annie's surprised and presented with something that is nice but unexpected, her usual response is to go, no. No. Oh, so I <laughs> think that would have been bad. Her, you are not far off the mark. Her literal first reaction, she figured out what was happening because there was a bit of a beat before mm. she put it together. And she just looked at me and said, fuck you! <laughs> and then said yes. <laughs> so, oh, that's so perfect. Fates conspired. This is not something that I had coordinated with John beforehand, but they then immediately struck up up the wolves uh, oh, after you're that. you're kidding. So could not have done it better if I had planned it. It worked out very, very well. That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's almost too nice. It was a weird little cosmic coincidence. Because, like, he's been pretty good. Like, I have been to shows before. I'd seen the Mountain Goats a couple of times before Annie and I were together, where I know at least one instance where someone had proposed and he had been in on it and organized to get the people up on stage. Like, that fairly standard affair but neither Annie or I are the sort of people who would really want a bunch of people looking at us at a moment like that and <laughs> we've both quietly delighted in the fact that no one realised around us what was happening during the show wasn't going to get John in on it and get him to draw attention to us or you know, throw a spotlight on us in any way that would make us both startlingly uncomfortable <laughs> so completely unprepared there was no organisation beforehand but turned out better than I could have asked so Aww. a nice outcome a very nice outcome and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and throw something at you on the spot and I want to see okay. how you do. Because here's the thing. You and I have known each other for quite a while. Yeah. And somehow I have still managed to only really be sort of tangentially involved with the Mountain Goats. I have like a handful of maybe maybe between six and eight songs in my Spotify. But they're from all eras, all albums, all over the place. And literally going back through these albums that you've mentioned today, I kept like looking up the track list to be like, is this one of the ones that has this song on it? And it's like, nope. How about this one? Nope. Well, these all sound cool. I don't know any of them. So my question to you is, where does someone start with the Mountain Goats? Apart from going, hey, you've just been dumped. Listen to this one. Yeah, that does tend to make it a little bit more precise. And I will qualify whatever answer I will give in a second by saying that their catalog is so broad in terms of styles, like the early stuff, like before We Shall All Be Healed, before he started, uh, before John was signed to 4AD, most of the albums were recorded on boombox recorders. Like it was a cassette where you just hit record and there was a built-in mic. So they sound really rough. That's almost part of their charm. They're very underdeveloped in some ways, even though that doesn't sound like a compliment. Albums like All Hail West Texas, that's probably one of the earliest turning points where he, the ways that he plays the guitar, his strumming, is very mechanical and his storytelling is really powerful but not as developed as it would be later so there are really big differences in hearing an album like All Hell West Texas versus something you know more recent like Heretic Pride or The Life of the World to Come which is the album title I was trying to remember before there are varying levels of style and approach that make them very distinct as a band or even the fact that they progress from being a solo work to a band proper later on it makes it difficult 
to make a general statement, to make a blanket recommendation for a starting point. I think, sorry, you, you have a question. Not a question, or more an, of a statement. An interjection then. I'm very happy because All Hail West Texas has one song that I recognize because I know the best ever death metal band in Denton. That is probably, like, it's still the most cathartic song to sing. Like, and that's exactly what I had in mind when I was saying, like, his storytelling is a little bit raw. In, like, it is quite explicit as a story. Like, he literally sings the moral of the story at the end of it. And yet it works in a way. There's such little artifice to it. And also you just can't be yelling out, Hail Satan, over and over as a way of finishing a song like it is like a very cathartic experience and it also just speaks to that sense of, like I, I feel like you know the uh, cyrus and jeff story is not one that i recognize in the sense of being at all into metal or being denied that particular outlet but i was denied a little bit of an opportunity to explore my creativity as a young person because my parents wouldn't let me study writing at uni and so in some ways i recognize that sense of constraint that simple story you know manages to speak to me in a way it cuts right through so yeah i think something like and apologies this is a long bow to draw i found this song because lars frederickson of rancid said it in a documentary about wrestler cm punk (laughs) he quoted this line and said when you punish a person for dreaming his dream don't expect him to thank or forgive you and i remembered hearing that and going oh oh i need to look that song up Mm. and then found it i'm like wait i know the mountain goats And that's how I got there. I will also note in rather a delightful turn, I saw Against Me play, uh, I think back in May here in Melbourne and Laura Jane Grace in the middle of the set or possibly at the beginning of the encore played solo best ever death metal band out of Denton. Oh, that is uh, excellent. Uh, without <laughs> introducing what it was, she just said, you know, sing along if you know the words. And I recognized it from the strum up and I shrieked with the light. <laughs> like, that, like as a Venn diagram of my likes, that's a that's a circle and it was it was just wonderful a wonderful extra detail in an otherwise wonderful night but hell of a song so moral of the story again you've asked me a question and i've completely i've gone to darwin via perth and trying to answer your question but i would still maintain and maybe it's just because it was my entry point but i think that heretic pride is an album that is one of the most accessible for the mountain goats catalog it's a nice balancing point where it's not as this is not a slight but certainly some of the more recent mountain goats albums before that wrestling themed one before beat the champ they were they weren't the same precise individual song constructions they were a little bit harder to get into i I found transcendental youth to be lovely but it still hasn't ever really grabbed me in the way that something like you know heretic pride or some of the older stuff did which reflects my own biases that's not a slight on the album but i think that something like heretic pride has so many great like four minute songs that encapsulate all the things that are great about the mountain goats from some of the more raw and exposed storytelling and songwriting you know, just that emotional side of the band, like Autoclave, which is kind of like Best Ever Death Metal, and one of the more explicit songs. You know, there's not much artifice to that apart from the sort of central metaphor. You've got something like Michael Myers' Resplendent, which is a big departure and it kind of indicated a little bit where the band would go after very much led into i think life of the world to come because it's like a piano ballad and it's very slow and reflective it's not john howling like he did on sunset tree it's not that same raw nerve kind of feeling it's a very different songwriting experience and i think heretic pride gives you a bit of a way into the different phases of john daniel and of the mountain goats in a way that gives you something to follow on like if you like michael myers resplendent you can then go on to something like all eternal's deck which is a song which starts with a song about vampires but <laughs> still a piano ballad about that and if you like something that's a little bit more jangly like sax roma number one is the first track on there which sort of speaks to some of the tracks off earlier albums 
it's not as rough as some of the older stuff, but it's a nice connection back to something like Tallahassee in terms of the way that that's presented. So Heretic Pro is my cure-all. It's my nuclear option for anyone. But <laughs> if you want something, like if you've been listening to a shitload of Neutral Milk Hotel, then you can definitely start with something like one of the pre-4 AD records. Like I don't, I'm not an expert on those, to be truthful. That's not really an area that I've invested much in. But Sweden is one of their earlier albums, and that one is gorgeous. And that's one of the Rora boombox tape recording albums. But, you know, if you want not quite novelty songs, I know that you, Lucas, enjoy Beat the Champ for its wrestling references. I love it to pieces. It's Mm. a really good album. It is a, a really good album. But again, I can understand how it can put up boundaries for those who are not as into wrestling as I am. I didn't find it that off-putting. I have a vague grounding in wrestling enough to know a little bit, uh, you know, a a little bit of what John's talking about. So the metaphor, I don't think it's so exclusive as to cut out new listeners, but it might feel to some like a gimmick album. But in that typical John Daniel style, he invests it with such precision and emotion in the storytelling that it doesn't, I don't think it matters if you know what a heel turn is. You'll figure it out from context clues, but you'll understand what something like Southwestern Territory is going I was going just about, about to say that, yeah. <laughs> if you've ever seen the movie The Wrestler, you'll understand and appreciate Southwestern Territory. Still one of those ones that after the first few listens, I'm just like, I'm going to save that one for times I need to feel the way this song makes me feel. Because... Oh, yeah. The Mountain Goats are a band that you must listen to with a certain amount of strategy. Like, with the possible exception of, you know, the breakout hit, this year which i think just about everyone can identify with the frustrated optimism of that at just about any point there's a real like sense of defiance in the face of shit going wrong that seems to be more and more appropriate with every passing year with the exception of that like you really have to know that you're in the right headspace for the mountain goats you're either emotionally strong enough to put yourself in that space and come out okay or like me you listen to it when you're not in the best emotional headspace and you need a little bit of like a homeopathic extra sad piled on the sads to get through that And I think that's a nice place to end it. So, Ginger, people wanted to find your stuff on the internet. Where would they go? They can find me primarily on Twitter, I think is the most active place. My handle on there is GingerBFG. On Instagram, which is primarily photos of my child and podcasts that I'm listening to, pretty much the same handle as the GingerBFG. So a definite article at the beginning of that one. You can find my podcast, Common Sense with Bert Franklap. You probably have to put the Bert Franklap bit in there because there's about a thousand other podcasts called Common Sense, which I didn't think about when I named it. But <laughs> apparently Corey Bernardi's podcast is also called Common Sense. And just quietly, that guy can get fucked. So um, I'm <laughs> kind of glad to be tromping on his SEO a little bit. But yeah, you can find that on Apple Podcasts or you can go to gingerbfg.com to get it directly from my website if you want to hear it that way. Um, I'll probably put it up on some more Android-friendly devices eventually but I am ill-organized in that regard. Please, (laughs) please listen to my podcast. It's the first time that I'm willing to promote something actively and like want it to not fail. So (laughs) if you want to listen to it and review it and give it a rating, that would make me really happy. There you go, listeners. All right, well, thank you very much for coming back on the show. This has been lovely. It is a pleasure for me. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much to Ginger Turner for their time. Last time Ginger was on the show, they asked for a cocktail, fittingly, with Ginger in it. And while last time I was happy to present The Suffering Bastard, this time I present Lovecraft in Brooklyn. In a shaker full of ice, 
combine two ounces of gin, one ounce of lime juice, a handful of mint leaves that you've lightly bruised by holding them in your hand and clapping, and one ounce of, and I'm gonna take a breath before I say this, apple ginger lemon tea syrup. I'll explain in a minute. Shake vigorously with ice to combine and strain into a pre-chilled cocktail glass. Top off with soda or sparkling water. Or for a sweeter variation, use lemon-lime soda, such as Schweppes Lemonade or 7-Up. You might have noticed an ingredient in there that sounded a lot more complicated than my usual ones. But here's the thing, apple ginger lemon tea syrup is really easy to make. All you do is you make simple syrup the way you normally would, with equal parts of sugar and water, and throw in one lemon's worth of peel. Then add a tea bag of your most supermarketiest ginger and apple herbal tea. Let the mixture come to a boil, then allow to cool and strain through cheesecloth or through a strainer into a bottle. It's going to keep in the fridge for like two weeks and you can use it in all kinds of things. Pretty much any drink where you would normally use simple syrup. And I promise it will never ever be boring. I'll hand you a drink of the lovely little thing upon which our survival depends. Everything's going to be okay soon. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe the next day. Enjoy. Matthew is recorded in Leichhardt, New South Wales, Australia, and is written, hosted, and edited by yours truly, Lucas Brown. New episodes are released every Wednesday evening, and if you'd like to be a guest on the show, simply send an email to themathofyou at gmail.com and tell us what you'd like to talk about. Just to let you know, I'm pretty booked for the rest of the year. You can follow the show on Twitter at themathofyou, and you can follow my wacky adventures at Lokified, L-O-K-I-F-I-E-D, on Twitter and Instagram, and Lokified82 on Snapchat. If you have a few dollars kicking around and would like to directly support the show, you can head to patreon.com slash and pledge as little as a dollar a month. Or you can pledge as much as you want. You can drop money from the ceiling, like Kazuchika Okada, or like the Joker in Batman 89. More the first one than the last one. Backers get cursive tweets, physical mail, early access to episodes, and I would really, just really appreciate it. If you'd like to support non-monetarily, you can go to Apple Podcasts in the country of your choice and leave a five-star rating or a review. It really helps people find the show. Also, I'll read any reviews I get out on the show. Won't that be nice? If you like the music I play on the show, there's a Spotify playlist for that. Head on over to bit.ly slash themathofyou with capitals at the beginning of each word to find a Spotify playlist going all the way back to episode one. That's more than 10 hours of music using every single song I've ever used in the show, including this one. You guessed it, it's Up the Wolves by the Mountain Goats. I honestly expected to use a number of different songs. I had a few things planned out. But in listening to some of Ginger's recommendations for the show, I found myself falling down a rabbit hole of mountain goats, and honestly, it just felt right to use only their songs. 
I update the playlist every week as soon as the episode goes live, so subscribe to get that new music in your ears. Next week, it's the return of James Leask and Canadian content. Join me, won't you? Wow, how's Ripley doing? She's alright. She had a like a bit of a bad night last night. She like woke up about one, having vomited all through a cot, which was uh, really not unpleasant. A surprise to go. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, horrible. Yeah. She's had a bit of a follow-up spew, and then seemed fine. Slept in a bit late, but was pretty chill. Came on breakfast, smashed a toast down, and then yeah, we we were going to. A- pottery place that had an open day and he knows someone who works there and so mm-hmm. keen to go down and bug was sort of a bit snoozy in the car and we're like okay stay awake we're gonna get somewhere it'll be stimulating it'll be cool she's fading fading we pull up and as i am getting out of the car to get her out she just leans forward and vomits right down herself oh, no like, no cool of course the friends that we were meeting like we're meeting two separate groups of friends one was walking up the road having seen our car so it was walking up to meet us and the other one happened to pull in right behind us and so we're just like cool all of you can just stay away for a few minutes because we hope this isn't contagious but you've both got preschool age children and younger in your toe maybe stay back just a little so. <laughs> it's like sea world the first three rows will get wet in in this case i am the first three rows because i've popped <laughs> most of the chunder oh no it's the worst it's not great yeah i just have a baby who farts all the goddamn time <laughs> Look, that's pretty funny though. He does pull some pretty fantastic faces when farting. So, oh yeah, at least it's photographically entertaining. <laughs> and plus, he's like he's combined the farting powers of both parents. Where it's like <laughs> I am known for being exceptionally quiet, but then like the kiss of death happens about maybe ten seconds later. Yeah. Whereas Kimiko is all sound and fury, signifying nothing. And <laughs> Hiro has combined these two to be the loudest and stinkiest person in this house. And that includes the pets. He's a prodigy. This is good. (laughs) I know. Gas-powered baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, mercy. Putting my phone on silent and Hero in his little flash outfit popped up on Instagram as I was setting it off. Yeah, I was so happy. Like, that was going to be his come home from the hospital outfit. Except for he turned out to be the tiniest baby. So Yeah, I can see that it would have been a little bit over-generous. Like, Flash requires a fairly tight-fitting costume. So. <laughs> Although, I didn't realize, it was like the minute I put it on him, that the, it has like sort of the like shaded muscle. Yep. And you put shaded muscle on a red bodysuit, and I go straight to Attack on Titan. Oh, yeah, I see that now. That with like, with that. the weird exposed muscle. And I just saw that in the photo, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. I, I did not expect that. Mercy, yeah, no, that's... I, I did not spot that until you mentioned that, and now I can't see anything else. <laughs> there's a crossover. Get, I can't think of what company does the manga for Attack on Titan, but I'm sure there's room for a DC mm-hmm. crossover right there. There's already been a Marvel crossover, funnily enough. Oh, really? I missed that entirely. It was done for a magazine in Japan where Marvel Comics just basically had the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy fighting Titans. It was just done as like, like an eight-page little kind of thing in the magazine. Yeah. And then sort of as a, a reciprocal gesture, they've done an Attack on Titan anthology done by a whole bunch of Marvel artists, like people like Becky Cloonan and Kate Leth and a few others. Sweet. They all contributed to this hardcover anthology, which I've yet to read. But Kimiko's read it and she said it was really cool. Sounds like a neat idea. Mm. See, whereas I've had the bad habit of doing podcasts in the morning when I've had just coffee and no breakfast. Oh. And started to tell that those ones almost always come around to food discussion. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, clearly something is pressing that button in my head. Yeah. It's like shopping when you're hungry. Oh, exactly. And it's like, how did I manage to get, let's see, bacon, M&M's, corn chips, a chocolate bar, <laughs> and, and somehow no dinner. <laughs> the weirdest thing. Yeah.